You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, marketing director for Studio 420. Polly Lieberman and Liz Wald have impressive backgrounds in the technology world and are using their expertise to create a cannabis community at the intersection of Cannabis 2.0 and Web 3.0. They are the founders of Thrice3.io and are on a mission to normalize and help everyone navigate this new world of legalized cannabis. Let's meet Polly and Liz to learn how they are actively taking on the challenge to build a cannabis community on Discord and in the metaverse, to name a few places. Good morning, Polly. Good morning. How are you? (laughs) Good, good. And good morning, Liz. Good morning. Um, and I, I don't know if it's because I just met you both and, and the metaverse is on my mind, but I can't believe how much I'm reading about it lately. The uh, CEO of Instagram, I guess, recently gave a TED talk um, claiming that um, the metaverse is the next social media platform, um, that Instagram and Facebook and all those are not going to be as relevant. Um, so I thought that was a pretty big statement coming from. Interesting, since Instagram is owned by Facebook and they're meta. You know? <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. He, I haven't heard heard uh, his speech, but I, I have it on my list to go hear yeah, what he's talking about. Yeah. So anyway, so let's start with um, what is the meaning behind the name Thrice Three? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a very good question. Uh, so... The current iteration of Thrice is is basically in its second iteration, but the original inspiration and and remains the inspiration to this day is really that people need help navigating this new world of cannabis. And that kind of falls into three categories. Uh, One is things to know two is places to go, and then three is products to buy. And, you know, it's always hard coming up with a name for a company, but Thrice really combined those three elements of sort of what we're, accomplish- uh, what we're accomplishing as a community. And we put the, we mixed it up in sort of a true tech, way and web three way and rather than having an e at the end we now have a three at the end which makes it a little bit tricky but nine nine people out of ten surveyed know how to pronounce it so you pronounce okay. company thrice okay and um yeah that's that that's the inspiration uh is really kind of covering all things that that uh address really the curious and the confused and even the connoisseurs of cannabis and kind of the general topics uh, uh, around cannabis. All right. The, the pillars of your, your organization. The pillars uh, of your business. Exactly. That's right. So you're building a cannabis community in the metaverse. Um, what does that entail and why are you building it? 
And then we'll go on to explain to people who aren't familiar with the blockchain technology and NFTs um, after that. But I just thought if you could just tell us a little bit about what you're building. Sure. I wouldn't exactly say that we're building a web, a, a community in the metaverse. I think we're building a community and the community is taking shape in web three and one component of web three is the metaverse for sure. Uh, but the community will basically encompass uh, both in real life and online or digital experiences. And the interesting thing about Web3 is really that what we like to say is there's no state lines in the metaverse, right? There's, there's people are starting to become more familiar and excited about this new way to engage, which is the metaverse, the virtual world. And as more adoption grows, then certainly there'll be more community building within the metaverse, but sort of the ways that people are engaging with Web3 are with within Twitter. There's a very active community within Twitter, um, within Instagram to a certain extent, but a, a, a real part of the community building takes place within Discord. And one of which is potentially the world's largest chat room, uh, a bit more robust that can be segmented out and organized topically, but you can really create a strong, powerful community with deep engagement. And the cool thing about the Web3 platforms really is there's a lot more flexibility for community building, but there's also a lot more flexibility to have conversations specifically under the cannabis umbrella where there's many more limitations in sort of what would be considered the mainstream media. That, that's an interesting distinction of your business that puts together all these different parts of the 3.0 that I didn't really know about. You know, it's not just going and logging into blockchain and the metaverse, and but there's other 3.0 elements. Um, now, I think that also one thing is there is a level of anonymity in sort of this world. And as we start to change the stigma around cannabis and create more openness around dialogues and conversations and people get really more comfortable talking about their cannabis use or even their cannabis curiosity, then creating safe judgment-free environments is really important for us. And I think that that's kind of a unique aspect of Discord in particular. And also allowing us to even talk about it and not getting booted from, you know, from the platform. For is, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's where I see the importance of, of what you're doing is, is to open that up to <clears throat> many opportunities for people in the space, like between, you know, the education, um, promoting your products or services, um, and, and, and networking with your peers. As far as, I, I guess the most complicated part of all the different elements that you're, <clears throat> excuse me, that you're working with, um, if you could just explain, I guess, basically the, the blockchain NFT part of your business. Sure, a um, couple of things. First of all, I like to tell people that 
people don't really need to understand all the nuances of blockchain, right? We all use yes. the internet. We, we send emails. We don't really know how the backside of the internet works. We just kind of take it for granted, right? Yes. And I think with blockchain, it's similar. You should understand the benefits of blockchain. So blockchain has this amazing amount of security. It is virtually impossible to hack a blockchain. There are, of course, scams out there, but that's very different than an actual hack. Um, and it allows you to have trust between two people without kind of a middleman. So historically, like if you're going to buy a car and you've got the title and someone else has the money, you, you, know, you need to either have a middleman or you need to physically be in the same place and trade the money at the same time. And blockchain kind of removes the need for those middlemen because of the way things can be programmed and transactions can happen only if then this, that, you know, sort of if this, then that kind of a structure. So you don't really have to understand all that. What you do have to understand is it gives you more control. Like you get to own more of your own data and your own everything beyond just your data, your own possessions um, that are digital possessions. So web three, just very briefly, like web one was kind of read things on the internet that a publisher put out. And then web two was, I can make a YouTube video. I can post to Facebook. I can create content and be sort of a publisher. I could read it and I could write it, write being including all the video and everything else. In web three, you read and you write, but you also own those assets, right? It's not all on YouTube, which is owned by Google, or it's not all on Facebook, which is obviously owned by Facebook. They don't get all the monetary value. You can monetize it yourself. So when you think about that, there's some benefits to blockchain, even if you don't understand how they all, how it all works perfectly. An NFT can be mean many, many different things. It can be a piece of art. It can be a representation of a digital asset, like the title to your car. And the way we think about it is it can be what I call a modern day membership card. If you have this NFT, which can certainly be a piece of art also, right? We, you know, we're designing our collection to look like everyday people and we hope everyone really loves the art and it represents them. But what it does is it unlocks opportunities for you. You, you log into the blockchain, it's verified that it's you. You can open up all kinds of discounts or access to parties or access to special talks with physicians or anything you want to do in a way, whereas if you go in and you do that and you say you, you buy um, another digital asset, it, it can be attached and, it, and you can own it. So it's a modern membership card that lets you transfer that membership around to other places. And that's one of the things the blockchain kind of opens up. And understanding all of the machinations is less important than understanding that if you become part of this community and you purchase this NFT, you're gonna get a whole slew of benefits associated with that ownership. And at some time in the future, if you wanna sell that ownership to someone else, you can go ahead and do so. I can't really sell my Amex card to someone else and give them the points, right? So that's kind of a simple way to think about it is that it unlocks access to products, events, experiences, and, and so much more. And then that, I think that also explains the difference between an NFT and a token. 
because that's something you know everyone was kind of familiar with at first. That's more of just an exchange of money as if you had a an Amex card versus the token. That's more of a membership card or no, owning I think a piece of If you think about something. Bitcoin or Ethereum or these where people are buying and selling those assets the same way they think about gold or they think about currency or they think about stocks, right? And NFT, the N means non and fungible means you one you can't switch for the other, right? If I have $20 and you have $20 and those two bills were dated in different years, it doesn't matter, we can swap them or I have 20 and you have two tens, we can swap them. If I own a Picasso worth $10 million and you own a Matisse worth $10 million, they're both worth $10 million, but you can't really swap them, right? It's fungible. Right, right. One is one thing and one is another thing. And, and, and they may have the same value at any given time, to, but they're not fungible. You can't trade them. Um, so non-fungible token is, is a specific one thing, like a baseball card or a comic book or anything that is collected. Right, it's a, it's a or art, right? It's a one thing. Whereas fungible tokens are are more like money that you can exchange. And if I have seventeen Bitcoin and you have a different seventeen Bitcoin, it makes no difference. Did you consider either one, or you know, when you were um, when you were planning yes, we, planning the company? Non-fungible tokens are not considered securities. You don't have to register with the SEC. Really, you think about it as a digital membership card. It has some amazing properties in it. For example, most NFTs are programmed that when you sell that NFT to someone else, a percent of the sale automatically gets distributed to however it was programmed inside the token. So for example, with our tokens, if somebody buys our token and then they sell it later, a certain percent of that sale will go always to our community wallet to fund other things. A, per, a certain percent will go to our artist to, you know, to recognize the importance of the art and, and support artists in this community. And a portion will come back to fund the company. And so the thing about that is you could program that forever. So you know, if you're an up and coming artist and you, and you sell an NFT, and then you go on to be super famous and your art keeps selling, you always can take a percent of that and it's programmed into the NFT itself. So that's something really special and interesting about ways to fund companies and ways to fund careers, but it's not a security. It's not traded like a security. It's not regulated like a security. So it's very important to us that we chose the NFT model and not trying to create a currency um, or something of that nature. Oh, that's a great distinction because the SEC, yeah, that's that's. And, a whole yeah, and the thing, game. the other thing that I would really add to that is that. So, to Liz's point, there are many types of NFTs, but this one type of NFT, which is really focused around community building is called a PFP, a profile picture. And we are building a PFP collection, which is really a series of NFTs that, and the important thing about this, if you think about NFT as a digital collectible that falls into all different categories, our particular 
company is based off of uh, building a community. And the way that we're building a community is by creating an NFT collection that acts as a membership card to unlock specific benefits. So all of the verification can happen through the blockchain and the sophisticated technology that Liz just referenced. But in a, a very important distinction is that all of these collections have a unique look and feel. So Web3 is super interesting for us from the reasons that we previously talked about, which is creating a safe space for consumers and creating an, 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 a really compelling way for cannabis brands and companies to access customers in a way that they currently cannot. But the collection that we're building and, and a really big part of the ethos of our company is focused around really the general thinking that it's time that cannabis users look like everyone because they do. And to the point that I made earlier, there's still a stigma. A lot of people still hide their cannabis use. People welcomely share that they had one too many glasses of wine or you know a shot or take Ambien before they, before they go to bed. But a lot of people are still not saying you know, I just took a chocolate edible for dessert or whatever. It, this made me sleep. It's, it, this made me sleep better. Whatever it is that people are using cannabis for or considering using cannabis for. So the collection that we're building and the visual aspect of what we're creating is really unique in that we're capturing sort of the general population visually. A lot of these collections have themes, color themes, gender themes, cat themes, pixelated, random, you know, robotic people themes, which is totally fine. And they're cool and they're unique. For us, our collection is meant, as I said, to look like everyone and what that looks like. Young people, old people, you know, all, people of all different walks of life and, and genders. So that's a massive challenge for our artists because how do you create all of the attributes that actually make somebody look unique and different? What does a older person look like? What does a hipster look like? And so forth and so on. But we have this opportunity to, to basically really tap into this visual aspect of Web3 and the NFT world to say, we're visually creating what the cannabis user looks like. And we believe very strongly that that will also help to um, start to represent people of all walks, in life, walks of life who are consuming cannabis or interested in consuming cannabis. And that utility associated with our NFT is really the access to the community and the community perks and benefits. Right, and that's a big challenge to put all those different cultures together under one roof and to represent the, all those different cultures. Uh, I, that'll be really interesting to see when you launch all you these have NFTs. No, you have no idea. It's been super fun and interesting and challenging and iterative for sure, because it's hard enough if you're, you know, an yeah. artist that's just trying to represent people on a piece of, with a paintbrush, this, the, this is like five different people and here's their different demographics. We're actually doing this 
yeah. digitally, but through generative art. So we have, are assembling things on the fly. So we have to really look at, oh, what's the hair color? Is there a, you know, a, a more mature looking face or do, to, do we actually illustrate that through say an outfit or glasses or facial features? So, um, so um, just back to the blockchain um, uh, for a second. Um, so blockchain is known you're able to keep um, to be anonymous if you're transacting on the blockchain. So how are you vetting or how would you be able to keep the, that community safe for unsavory people coming in and trying to disrupt your space or to just access people in your sure. community? Well, Is that um, possible? Unfortunately, there's always going to be those kinds of people in any community. And just because it's blockchain, you know, there's no... There's no keeping those out who want to disrupt something, you know, yeah. from coming in. However, when you when you purchase your NFT, right, and you you decide to join a Twitter Spaces or come to our Discord channel, the there's still the community can decide what the moderation rules are going to be, right? If someone is being very abusive, all of these communities have rules, and mm. if somebody is either being abusive or simply just like shilling their own projects or spamming the servers. You could just toss them from the server. Discord is essentially, okay. think of it as like a, a very robust sort of Slack, you know, where you've got channels and you've got moderators mm. and you have community managers. And those community managers often come from the community. The most rich and um, wonderful communities on Discord people who really care about that community decide they want to be moderators and help keep things the way, you know, that the community as a whole wants them. But the beauty, the beautiful thing about blockchain in general is if the entire community of owners decides we want our community to be about this, they could go do that, right? And the level of anonymity can be as, as transparent as you want. So if I, if I decide to make my Discord name Steamboat, which is my Discord name, I not to <laughs> reveal actually who I am, I can do that. Now, we in this community, it's called doxing. When you dox yourself, you basically put out there, I'm Liz, this is Polly, this is who we are, we're real people, you, you can know who we are and what we're about, what our careers have been about. So we're very open and upfront. Other people can decide to come in and be behind this a little bit so that maybe their friends and neighbors who aren't quite ready yet aren't, aren't noticing who they are, but inside here, they can ask questions, they can get information. And you know, their, their PFP profile picture or avatar can, can just look like a regular person, right? And no one's gonna necessarily associate that with any particular community. The, but how are you starting to build your community? Is it starting with, it seems to me that the Discord is more like you said, Slack, it's just talking. And then you have the visual, you know, the metaverse. So are you starting with the uh, Discord channel just to get the conversation going and get people excited about what you're doing? And then you're going to kind of, when you're ready with the NFTs and launched, I assume you've already bought a plot of land in the metaverse? You know, plots of land are, it's hard to know what, what real estate's or, going to be of value, but I think a lot of 
groups right now are finding good partners in the metaverse. So, okay, these folks have a plot of land and they're having this series of events and you can partner with them, right? But we want people to th sort of think of this as web two and a half. Like you don't have to put on a headset to be a part of this community, right? You, you don't have to go into Decentraland or another metaverse. You can participate using the tools you're used to using today, like Twitter, Instagram. Our community will be built with all of these channels. Our, you know, our social handles are thrice with the three official, right? So if you go to thrice official on Instagram or on Twitter, you can start to follow us. We have a Discord server that we aren't publishing publicly yet. We're sort of doing it with our own moderators and experimenting but that will be the next thing that we roll out, right? We want the conversations to happen everywhere. We also want that have them IRL, you know, in real life. Like we're gonna have an event where we say, hey, if you've never been to a dispensary, you wanna take the intimidation out? Like we're having, you know, jump in the van and we're all gonna drive over here to, to this new dispensary that just opened in Jersey. And we're gonna walk in and show you what this is all about. You know, we want, IRL in real life events as well. So to build our community, it requires all of these pieces. You know, building a community is, is not something that you can do just by like acquiring a bunch of lists. Like you have to do it person by person and have them bring in their people, right? And so that's where we are in our journey right now is we're working very hard to establish the, the foundations of a very strong community. So when people start joining it, there's plenty there for them to do and others to talk to and all of that. And that's what we're building right now. And the, and the, other, and the other thing that I wanted to just add to that and Liz touched on it a little bit, I think a very important element of web three or two and a half, because that's really where we are right now, is that we have spent a lot of time talking about sort of the, how technology can facilitate community and draw community in specifically through whether it's Discord or Twitter or in the metaverse, but the communities that I'm an active participant in, what I find is that it's actually a launch pad for in real life, in-person meetings, whether you're you know, in New York or San Francisco or Chicago or Topeka, Kansas, there's people that are connecting around events, around talks, around things that are where there's shared interest, depending on what the community is. So I, I really do feel that one of the interesting things about Web3 and also sort of the time that we're in right now is people are jonesing for community connection and human connection more than they ever have based on what we've been through. And through shared interests and passion points or experiences, we build stronger communities. So a part of that takes place just by interacting in sort of Discord or Twitter or however it is that people are, are interacting. But a real strong part of what we're going to do, which takes some of that anonymity out of it, is actually connecting our community members in real life for, you know, the deeper level of connections. Like I used to work with a guy who said, I never have three calls. This is a different world that we live in now, but I never have three calls without 
I never schedule a fourth call if I don't have an in-person meeting because I feel like you have to start to build that relationship equity. And for us as a company and as a community that's really tackling a somewhat sensitive, relatively intimate topic, you know, that people are starting to become more and more comfortable speaking about, creating those human connections and experiences in person is going to be a big part of what we do. So building online and then launching offline and creating not only, you know, meetups, but also, you know, think about your wine tour. People go on wine vacations. There's cannabis tourism that's happening right now. So being able to offer these types of communities, whether it's an infused or these types of experiences to our community, whether it's an infused dinner or a grow tour, lots of people are, or to Liz's point, a dispensary visit. People are mortified to go into dispensaries. They don't know how to act. They don't know what to ask. It's intimidating. And, you know, and yeah. I, I think too, you know, this touches on the fact that we, Polly and I think of ourselves as guides. We're about bringing in the experts. We're about bringing in the master grower to talk about growing for those who are interested. We're about bringing in the physician that's talking about the cannabinoid system, if that's what you're into. We're about bringing in an amazing DJ to throw an awesome party, right? Like we're, we're about all of that. And if the community is the kind of community that we envision, there will be local chapters with people who want to run it. And they're, you know, we will, people are going to fly across country to visit a dispensary, but there'll be someone locally up the mantle of Christ and said, this is an amazing community. And our job as the guides is to build that, to find the experts, to find the people that want to um, be champions of, of normalizing cannabis, right? Like that is to take the stigma away, to make this as normal as any other thing that, that we do to relax and have fun and as medicine and everything else, right? The cannabis industry touches so many things. So for us, that community is 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 successful if we if we're seeing that happen um i think people are familiar with the discord channel and how that works but i think the big mystery is in where you're where you're going to launch the metaverse uh maybe if you could explain what will be going on in there you know how will you be monetizing it what kind of activities are you going to be having um and you know what are what are the opportunities for people who might want to promote their products or partnerships that you're, you're, you're kind of thinking might happen in the, and, you know, Look, I think in the community. The best thing about a community is the community tells you what they're interested in, right? They're interested in having a party mm -hmm. in the metaverse. They will, we, we can do that, right? If they're interested in having a mm -hmm. virtual talk in the metaverse that can really bring products to life, we can do that too. We're going to get, we're going to throw some ideas out there, those two being examples, and we're going to see where the response is. But where the partners and the experts come in is what really makes this interesting, right? So if they are interested yeah. in, if, if there's a particular brand, say, that's well known on the West Coast and coming East and really wants to understand what the East Coast user, who's a new user, who isn't like the West Coast that's had this access for years and years and years, you know, what's going to resonate with them? They can, they can have sort of a, a virtual um, uh, 
you know, session where they're getting feedback from, from people. That could be done in the metaverse with very much feel like you're there and real, right? Um, they could also do that on a Twitter spaces, right? So, so it can be done in, in different places and partners can um, partner with us to be very integrated into our, into our uh, community. That's obviously a revenue stream. The NFT itself will be sold Right. And so that's a revenue stream. But as I explained, it's also a revenue stream if it resells. So it comes in and, yes. and we didn't talk about minting versus buying. That's probably a different show. But if someone comes in and mints, say, three, four NFTs and they get a couple of female looking ones and a male looking one and maybe one you're not quite sure and and there are different outfits and there's one that really resonates with you and you're like, this one's just like me. I'm really going to hold that one, but I'm going to sell one of these other ones to someone else. So if they sell it, we still get a commission because of the way the NFTs are programmed. So we have an ongoing revenue stream through the NFT, in addition to the more common media-driven partnerships, ads, things like that, that sponsorships really, it's not really advertising, but there, there are other ways to monetize like that. But the NFT obviously allows us to do that, um, to drive capital early on in the community and the more valuable the community, the more valuable the token, et cetera. Have you started marketing and trying to build a community? How are you doing that so far? Or are you not at that point yet? You're, you're building out your NFTs. We are moving from sort of strategy and planning phase in sort of this quiet soft launch into hardcore marketing. So in terms of how we're building our community, we're building our community fundamentally by really leaning into messaging around the stigma and getting people, building awareness that there is a stigma, right? So there, CBS Mornings recently did a piece on cannabis use and Tony DeCopo said, it's, there's a very big difference between getting cannabis out of the courtrooms versus out of the closet, use out of the closet. And I think that that was a very profound statement, right? Because people should be comfortable talking about their cannabis use. The top three reasons why people use cannabis are for pain, for stress, and for sleep. And everyone at some point in their life experiences that. So a lot of what we're doing is anti-stigma or really just awareness around the stigma, there is a stigma in the same way that talking about mental health two, three, five years ago, 10 years ago, was a massive stigma around that. And now people are much more comfortable talking about their mental state, which is wonderful. Same thing with cannabis. So one is really just building awareness. We are a brand and building a community that's a safe, judgment-free environment to learn and to connect and to create experiences around cannabis. Maybe cannabis use is not right for everyone, but we, we're creating a place for people who really want to engage in it and learn. Because something like 75% of 21-plus-year-olds in new cannabis markets are interested in participation, right? They want to know what cannabis can do for them and how they can incorporate cannabis into their lives. So one, starting with 
the stigma and really bringing attention to there is a stigma, let's all talk about it. And then two is really facts and education around you know, why people use cannabis, what cannabis can do for you, different types of cannabinoids, different research that's starting to come out. And that is really the cornerstone of what our marketing is going to look like. And then the community will start to form based on a lot of word of mouth. I mean, uh, the inspiration for Thrice was conversations that Liz and I had with everyday people who needed help navigating this new world of legalized cannabis and what we call cannabis 2.0, which is more consumer packaged goods, whether it's chocolates or beverages or edibles or pens, whatever it is, people are like, how do I use this? What is this? I don't know. How much should I consume? Is this one right for me or is that one right for me? And nobody really knew where to turn to for information. So for us talking about the stigma, talking about creating better conversations, infiltrating sort of the overall messaging with key facts and stats, once you start to learn more about you know, context around cannabis, it really starts to change the way that people feel about it. And then building this safe environment for people to connect. It's like, you ever hear about this meeting that you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm scared to go to this meeting. And then you went to this meeting, like a community style meeting. You're like, those people are amazing. I'm going back next month. That's really what we're looking to do. You know, the elderly community is one of the biggest communities that will you know, once the stigma is over and once they're educated on it, we'll be using it more. So how are you planning to reach or are you planning to really kind of reach out to that community? Because they're not really web 3.0, you know, they're not going to be on these different channels, but they're such a huge part of this community. There's a couple of things there. I mean, you know, Facebook is notorious for shutting anything cannabis down. And these people, if they're on anything, they're on Facebook right? Like they joined Facebook so they could see their grandkids' little videos and, you know, things of that nature, right? So that's understood. But these folks are also, they've got relationships in the real world with other people who are their children, you know, their physicians, their, you know, they play bridge at the community set, you know, they do all kinds of things in real life where they have the opportunity and access to um, to learn through someone else about a community like this. And then it's not a huge leap to go from Facebook to, to, to listen in on a Twitter space, you know, things like that. So the bridges will need to be both people as well as uh, technology that sort of meets them where they're at. And to Polly's point much earlier about removing the limitations you know, Web3 doesn't have all the shutdown and you can't talk about this and that. Um, there are community groups on Facebook, you know, moms and grandmoms and all kinds of groups that are there. And we will do our best to in- engage with those groups as well. But I think the bridges will come quite a bit from, from the children of those folks who are exactly our target, who are like, hey, I don't, you know, they can even go with the, it's not for me, it's for my mom, right? Like, so I think we will, we will have them come in that way as well, uh, which will be great. And then, you know, very specifically to your earlier question, thrice, T-H-R-I-C, the number three, dot I-O is our website. 
and you can drop your email there. You can join, you know, you can, you can, we have thrice official for both Instagram and for Twitter. We have our link tree up there so you can find all our channels. Um, you know, we'll make sure we get you everything for the show notes, but I think if people just start joining, you know, like us, drop your email, join the community. You could stand out there and listen for a little while. And then maybe you'll decide to, to chime in and maybe you'll share something we've said on your Instagram or on your Twitter. And so another one of your friends will come, right? That's what organic growth is about. So we're here to have everyone join our socials, drop your email, learn what we're all about, start giving us some feedback. You know, hey, I'd love to learn about this. Great. Well, you know, We'll do our best to be responsive. That's what a community is all about, right? And so, so that's what we're doing. We're at the early stages. We're just starting to put out our content. The timing of this podcast is great for us to, to, to introduce this to everyone, take away the intimidation around cannabis and around Web3. We're going to make it easy. It's going to be a place. And, for- and I think that to your, to your question about there's certain people, demographics, whoever it may be, that are more comfortable or aware even of what's going on in this Web3 world. You know, some people look at, I know people in my peer set, people who are younger than me, people who are older than me that have been buying crypto for years and are familiar with all of this. What I would say, and many of them who are not, for us, you know, our core mission as a organization is to create better conversations about cannabis, but because of the way that we're building our business in sort of this new world of technology, every community, every single community that is launched has a percentage of their, of their education that is really committed to helping people understand Web3, helping people understand how to buy or mint an NFT. So there will be a part of what we do that does involve that type of education. We're mostly doing that through partnerships who really have expert content, sort of in the same vein that we are not the experts on terpenes, but we know the experts on terpenes and we're gonna bring them into our community for people who want to learn about community, who, who want to learn about terpenes, people who want to learn about Web three, we have a robust set of partners who will really help people navigate that, and we will again be the facilitators of that. And there's obviously going to be people who are going to embrace and engage us early, and then we'll start to evolve that community. And I think that you know, to our to to what we talked about, we are building a community with access points that looks like everyone. But I think that as we start to get really more clear and build out that community, we'll kind of see there's always micro communities that create that that sort of evolve within the community and micro topics. So we're really focused on letting that community really tell us what they want and what they need. Right. And maybe drawing in the elderly might be based on, um, you know, an expert, like a doctor speaking on how it affects your body or how it can help and understanding the endocannabinoid system. They just might come in on that just 
curious from that and there they enter into your community and get introduced to it so wow what what a what a task you guys have and i really admire you and um i think it's really exciting and i this discussion i i really understand now what you're trying to build and i think it's it's really exciting we're, we're all here to learn we're all here to make new friends and find new paths forward and to normalize cannabis that's our, our ultimate goal. Share that one to hashtag normalize cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.